Welcome to Meet the Industry. Please have a seat. The show is about to begin. Good morning, Vietnam! Hey, this is not a test. This is rock and roll! Okay, so welcome to Meet the Industry. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you, thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. And uh, so, um, I mean, it's actually hard to know where to begin our conversation given how you've worked across various sectors in the entertainment business from singing in a band to directing and acting in films to writing music and even music supervision. But uh, I guess my opening question to you would be, what unites everything you've done so far in terms of your personal motivation and interests? So something that really drives me is stories and uh, that's what attracts me most to any project. And then uh, like I'm kind of greedy. I want to be associated with the project. So I'll find a way to be associated with the project in whatever manner I can, uh, you know, contribute to it. You get attracted to stories for sure. Right. So um, I remember actually you in one of your interviews, you said that um, you wanted to be a musician and a storyteller, which is where I think the whole. Yeah, like I I really never had that thing what I wanted to be. I've always had like short term goals and this is what I want to do. I've never in my wildest of imaginations imagined that I'll be a musician and making money off it. Uh, I pretty much uh, in a in a way not to complicate things continue doing what i was doing in school which was like just you know uh, performing stories telling uh, singing songs making up things and just having fun just like going for it and just enjoying what you're doing right uh, i'd love to hear about uh, the story of your early days uh, could you talk us through the founding insight of a 21-year-old kid in Bhopal who had that aha moment and realized that you wanted to do music and storytelling and not uh, hotel management. Like, what was what was your motivation to leave Bhopal and come to Bombay? I mean, like, I'll be very honest. It wasn't like I was thinking through things too much. Uh, I was not uh, attending college much. I knew that that's not interesting enough for me like that was quite evident i think even in the first year when i joined college and three years was just what they call in india time pass you go there you make friends you have fun you were singing songs you're entertaining people and you just having a blast with your friends and it really uh, i think looking back i feel i was quite naive at that time i was not thinking much and i was not really thinking that soon like you know it will be your last day in college and next up you will be working in this you know that transition i never thought about that it always like uh, right after school i never felt that you know uh, i never thought of the day that this would be the last day that i'll not see some of my friends for probably even 30 years i never thought of that and similarly in college it was the same thing like i never thought looking okay, now from tomorrow we're not going to college and from tomorrow, people will be doing jobs and probably I will not end up meeting most of these guys. They will be busy in their lives. I'll get busy in my life. So 
and what i was doing through college was i was singing songs i was singing in a restaurant and then we used to have these uh you know there was this orchestra there in bhopal i was a part of that so we've been invited to sing in weddings and i would be singing there and uh, uh generally in college in the hostel i was singing in the cafeteria i was singing for all the friends and it was somehow uh, i felt that i'll continue doing that and coming from rurki i moved to bhopal to like you know study it wasn't a huge jump in terms of uh, you know i still not i was still not hit by the cultural shock that an urban environment can give you and somewhere i was very optimistic and as i said naive that i thought that i'll just uh, come to bombay and uh, people like my songs my friends like my songs and for me my world was my friend so i just thought that just like my friends the people who put money behind music which was music labels who like my songs and i'll cut an album and this is what i'll do i never really thought about it and then it took me 10 years from then to cut my album but it it just went with one thing to another and uh, you know i don't want to make up a story that sounds that it was very calculated and i was, uh, i was just following very uh, instinctual and uh, um of the bad like you just thought that okay this is what i want to do and you jumped right into it this is what i was doing so the difference was that i never thought what i'm going to do i thought this is what i do okay like, i i song then i'll make my life singing songs i never thought that it's going to be tough or it's going to be easy or i never thought that i'll i never even uh, calculated like you know it take this much time or this much money or yeah there were no calculations were just like this is what i do so this is what i'll continue doing this is what i like doing and what exactly did you do once you got to bombay i uh, did what i had planned in a way like i had cut a demo in the in the hostel uh, in the corridors they have there was nice reverb and in the bathrooms there were nice reverb so it literally pretty much like bathroom singing wow. so I tape that i had made uh, of six or seven of my songs and uh, i had made multiple copies of it and i came to bombay and i started meeting music labels to as my demo uh, to you just walk into the office and say i want to give my demo it was i think yeah, yeah it pretty much it was walk into the office because it was like mobile phones were not like that prevalent people were still kind of using yeah. pagers and yeah uh, were still using uh, phones that sit on the desk uh, you know um, so you would call the office and somebody would pick up and you would say that i want to come in and they would uh, let you in and then or you would just get the address and just show up so it wasn't like people weren't like you know fixing appointments and yeah uh, they were they were still in the office they were not that mobile per se so you would just yeah i did show up in a bunch of music labels i tried to fix appointments in a few i don't clearly remember whether i was very methodical about it i just remember that i was just getting numbers from wherever i could i was scanning through cassettes and back of the cassettes they used to be you know uh, printed uh, which label is there and there would be addresses to them and then i would just like from there or back of the cds or somewhere i was just getting resources uh, those were my resources and i was just right. showing probably so that that was <clears throat> sorry that was part of the struggle that you had <clears throat> excuse me uh, when you came to bombay 
but then i think uh, that didn't quite work out and uh, because were- i quite a struggle i just saw it like this is what i have to do so i was just doing it and ever i was thoroughly enjoying it it was like you know you would there were a few of my friends who had finished hotel management with me and they were working in bombay and we would meet up in the night and i was living with them and then uh, i i just uh, decided that uh, we were catching up in the evenings and i was telling them what happened in my life and they would tell me what happened in their day and uh, it was uh, it was quite normal they were struggling as well that was the time when india had just done uh, the nuclear tests so uh, you know the there was a kind of recession in the market when it came to jobs nobody had jobs uh, everybody was kind of broke and kind of struggling if you may call it in the same manner uh, and we were all exchange notes uh, they were exchanging notes of what was happening to them in the hotel life and i was exchanging notes of what was happening in the music world so then uh, i mean actually i would love to hear how you dealt with that rejection if you may say that you encountered in bombay because uh, i think it could be one of the biggest takeaways from our chat about how to react to failure uh, you recorded your first demos on cassettes using natural room reverb and you came to bombay gave the demos to record labels and uh, that didn't work out and then you went to delhi uh, would you like to share something about that experience what you what exactly was it that you did in delhi yeah bo- leaving bombay was not because i faced rejection from the music labels they were, i didn't know whether it's going to work out or not and some of them probably even lied to me saying that we will get back to you and i was i was kind of uh, fool enough to believe that they will call me back although i didn't have a number for them to call me back <laughs> but uh, uh yeah moving to delhi was because life living in bombay was tough for me i had no money i had run out of money and right. i was kind of you know in a chawl uh, getting by every day and then uh, i had a horrible incident incident with a rat and then i that freaked me out and i said okay i'll be on a train to delhi because i have more friends <laughs> i'll get better food uh, i'll get home food there so i just probably went to delhi for food and i was there in delhi and then i started uh, scouting for work in delhi and uh, i think that work sort of ended up uh, in you working in films yeah so what happened was one of the times that i was in delhi i was in this place called bengali market in delhi and then i was in a bookshop there and i found this directory which i had never found in bombay uh, it was kind of a directory of everybody's addresses and phone numbers uh, it was uh, what was it called that company i forget the name of the company basically it was a directory for everyone you know for all Every yellow pages listed in bombay and delhi and calcutta everywhere it was city wise directory so okay i like a yellow pages it was not really the yellow pages i think it was a screen something uh okay. it was a public book but something like that something like yellow pages yeah so uh, and it was it just i was like over the moon i said like this is amazing because if i had it in bombay i would have so many more addresses so but now i have addresses in delhi right. and uh, i started calling people uh, alphabetically as it was listed from one a by one, one by one. Uh, a to b to c so i got rejected with a and i got rejected with b and c down the line to c o i met uh, this gentleman colonel kapoor, colonel kapoor. Uh, yeah. he had made forgy and he was the first one from a b c to uh you know uh, to uh, uh like my work and he said yeah like i there's something interesting in you and you we must work together and i started working with him 
and that was kind of what i see as my break as a first person probably who showed faith in something like you know he was not i could make out that he's not rejecting me like other people right and in fact it was my running joke with him when we used to work together that thank god he only remained a colonel and not a general because maybe i was <laughs> given up time yeah. yeah. every g that <laughs> so we started working although he didn't have in, in the beginning he didn't have money to pay me so uh, he offered that i live in his house so i pretty much started living at work right from right. home there i think for me right and then uh, what was that movie called uh, let's enjoy no let's enjoy came much much later this was we were working i was working with colonel kapoor uh, we were uh make he was shooting a documentary called sapper sanic which was on the sappers in the army and uh, there was this uh, uh, guy siddharth anand kumar he was the camera person in that and his assistant was this girl called aisha sood and they became my best friends mm-hmm. and they were like uh, really uh, uh, into uh, my music and they we started hanging out and funnily enough the shoot of sapper sanic was in roorkee so which was my hometown so we went there and i did all the production because of that and i fixed even not knowing what production was basically it was just everyone was doing everything but i was just figuring out the fi- i was fixing things for them there and then there is where once that shoot got over aisha said that you should take your music seriously and you should come back to delhi and i jumped into her gypsy and Aisha said and I were back in Delhi and I was still working for Colonel but I was also kind of like writing new songs and Aisha said and I used to hang and that's where probably you know I found uh, a new audience after my college right so I start things started from there I worked with Bobby Baby uh, we we made the series called Rajdhani and bunch of other things and from there I worked with Shekhar Kapoor and Digital Talkies and after Digital Talkies was when Digital Talkies was getting done and we were stepping out of Digital Talkies then uh, that's when Sid and I decided that uh, uh, we should make a film of our own and we wrote Let's Enjoy and then we made Let's Enjoy. So how, how did you transition sort of from being um, a musician writing songs and singing songs to writing films? yeah the, so that interestingly happened through colonel kapoor because when we were at colonel's office it was kind of an independent production house where you right. were supposed to do everything right observe and learn yeah so we were writing scripts i was doing music i was doing production like i think the only two departments in filmmaking that i haven't worked in is uh, makeup and costume uh, but pretty much apart from that we were doing everything right in- and uh, you know uh, sid had gone to film school so he was a very good influence on me he was helping me he was like i was seeing films that i had not seen before uh, i was like reading material that i had not read before i was completely unexposed to that world and then they uh, between all of them my friends my new friends in delhi uh, who were making films they exposed me to newer ideas of films and i just got fascinated and i was pretty much picking up jobs to survive to like you know pay your rent after i moved out of colonel's house i had to pay rent right so, so you were picking up jobs uh, any any job that would pay so it could be like i you i could be one day i could be transcribing something for a documentary the other day i could be doing a voice over the third day i would be probably doing production in some even produced theater 
then uh, the other day uh, next day you would be probably singing jingles for advertising i even sang jingles in tamil not knowing tamil there would be a language expert and you just pretending you knew the language so you were it wasn't it was just like you taking one challenge a day and then you solving it and you were moving forward so right uh, along the way you didn't realize that you were doing so many things it was what's paying my rent next month was a thing and but uh, i think that uh, the cutting an album thing was still on your mind and uh, this was around between 98 to 2003 this is what i was doing and then i came back to bombay after making let's enjoy mm-hmm. actually during uh, the making of let's enjoy and i cut an album uh, in uh, 2008 so it was 10 years after i started started my journey wow so uh, and then i think that that led to you forming uh, the band yeah so i was uh, I, i recorded some songs in bombay and then i still wanted a newer sound and an interesting sound and i met this amazing musician zulfi uh, who had worked on a film that i had done uh, you know script supervision and script uh, doctoring for the film was ek chalis ki last local and uh, zulfi had made a song in that called lari chuti which was really fabulous uh, and i figured that i want to record my music with zulfi because we hung out a bunch and we like were jamming and it was great fun we just knew that this there's some genius in him uh, the only problem was that he was in lahore so i had to then get a visa and then i had to go to lahore and record my album with zulfi there in lahore and uh, it's amazing to see what, how amazing he is doing now he is uh, making the most amazing music in uh, pakistan right now and uh, once i had recorded the album with zulfi and some of the songs that i had recorded in bombay i compiled it and then uh, the people who had produced uh, let's enjoy uh, also had a music label so they decided to sign me up and release my music and uh, they released the album and uh, once the album had released i figured i have to play these songs so i started scouting for musicians and people and that's when i met sid kuto the other sid in my life and uh, he uh, him and i we got along really well and then we got the band together and we started playing wherever we could play at that time this was still before the scene had exploded and there were venues and festivals so right and if yeah. i'm not wrong uh, this was the album where uh, you written the track uh, sabse piche hum khade now sabse piche hum khade was in let's enjoy i had written sabse piche hum khade before let's enjoy that was my song that i used to sing in barsatis in delhi okay and then when sid and i were making let's enjoy we decided that we should include the song in the film and we included the song in the film and then i uh, we were still insecure that nobody will hear the album nobody will probably know of the song so i had met kem from silk road uh and in a studio and i proposed to him that maybe silk road would be interested in covering the song and mohit heard the song he fell in love with the song and those boys said okay like let's record it and then they recorded the song and because of them uh, a lot of it got exposed to a lot of people a lot of people heard it and it kind of uh, became very popular right so uh coming back to the band uh how did it start off and uh, could you tell me about some of the experiences that you had uh, while playing those shows and uh, 
more about as you think back in time uh, is there a day or a moment or a show you would identify as the peak of your experience and like maybe you you know looked around and said to yourself uh, i've i've really built something spectacular i mean that's a tough question because you you always you know you have good gigs and you have bad gigs and uh, you know you never know where you're going to get so like uh, you feel that this is amazing and then the next gig is horrible and then the gig after that is something which is unbelievable so it's like a roller coaster i think during a rehearsals when we started rehearsing and we started playing together just hanging with the band and hanging with the musicians that i was making music with was an, an incredible experience and i also saw my sound evolve with them they were musically much more sound than me and they were like you know it was just like going to music school again like a new kind of school where you would go and you would learn and so for me that was really exciting when i was just like playing with them because uh, we have played gigs where uh, we were four of us on stage and there were only two people listening to us in the bar so from that to having like you know 20000 people in front of you at a music festival so it, you've you've seen from 2 to 20000 is a big kind of leap but again from it's not that you have reached somewhere the next kick can be a bummer again you can have hot sound or you may be hitting bum notes you're not you're not playing well together so it it depends gig to gig so i feel like when i started playing with with said johan at that time posey was playing with us um uh, it felt special i feel that you know it it's fun we have we were having fun we were exchanging ideas and they were saying we could do this to the song we could take this there and so it was very exciting moving forward from uh, arjun and the galat family where do you think was uh, your next big break because uh, i see that you did a lot of things like music direction writing for movies composing for films and uh, one big thing is music supervision that you've done uh, very recently though so would you like to talk about those experiences um, especially music supervision so i i can talk about my music supervision bit but uh, uh consciously i think i did music supervision only with gully boy but be- even before that even when we were making let's enjoy we were uh, you know uh, i was supervising the music for the film as well i was kind of getting all the aspects together we had medieval pundits doing the music but then we also had interesting people collaborating with us we got papon to sing his like that was his first movie song was for our film sajna then uh, uh we figured there was this band called needless to say and i started making music with them for the movie and we got kailash khair to sing that song the song was dhol vajda so that you know getting medieval pandits getting like uh, ashwin mani sharma was there jayant was there like all the young electronica musicians getting together making the music for let's enjoy uh from like kailash khair to silk route designing the whole album so probably subconsciously uh, let's enjoy was my first music supervision gig that's interesting because that at least um, now we get to see how you got in- initiated into music supervision because uh, for a lot of us including myself uh, i was first wondering what a music supervisor does and then it's it's to understand what what that entails and how to sort of uh, get your music into movies or something it and that is through a music supervisor so it's interesting to know how you got started into it 
I mean, that's instinctively how I started doing it. I started designing music and, and music is in my soul. So what happens is every project I do, I look at it through the lens of music anyway. Even the scripts I'm writing, I'm writing uh, kind of soundtracks to them and I have designed the music for that. I have a palette in my mind. So music is something that is kind of second nature to me. And uh, uh, But only when kind of Zoya proposed to me that, I should supervise the music for her film is when I started taking it seriously uh, as a profession. Right. And you don't mind me asking how did that meeting with Zoya happen and uh, how, how did it click? So, you know your uh, work or did she just happen to meet you at some place and... No, so I had known Zoya even from the time when I had moved to Bombay. Uh, we had uh, we had common friends. So, Sid and Aisha who I spoke about, they had both worked on Meera Naya, with Meera Naya on in... Uh, Kama Sutra and Zoya was also in Kama Sutra so it was that Kama Sutra crew uh, so when I came to uh, uh, Bombay uh, I had met her and we were, she was still kind of struggling to make her first film at that point and uh, so we've been friends since then and uh, somehow like we've always been exchanging our creative ideas so if I have a script or I have a story or something I bounce it off her if she has a story or a script or music she bounces it off me and so uh, we've been like you know uh, in touch since then as friends right. uh, I even ended up doing a small acting stint for her in luck by chance uh, and then uh, when she was writing this particular script is uh, was the time when I was just finishing my stint with MTV uh, MTV Indies and uh, she said that she's interested in hip-hop and she wants to do something with Indian hip-hop and especially hip-hop from Bombay. And this is a story and she gave me the script to read and it was really exciting because I kind of was exposed to the underbelly of the hip-hop scene in Bombay through my MTV stint because we were playing their music videos and we were interested in what's happening culturally there in the whole hip-hop scene. Yeah. So when I started reading the script, I got really excited and I started telling her more about like, okay, I know these guys, you should meet these guys. And uh, she had she had been introduced to the hip hop scene through the internet uh, via her then editor Anand Subaya, who had uh, shown her, I think, the video of Afat by Nazi. And uh, when I read the script, I said, I, I can make you meet these guys if you want to meet these guys. And uh, we were... Uh, she said definitely I want to like meet them interview them and that's how Rima and Zoya write the scripts as well Okay. so they interview a bunch of people and they really get uh, you know uh, uh, deep into the character so through that uh, I made her meet Nazi and Divine and then they met and then they started talking and also remember we had done a gig with MTV where Nazi and Divine had sung uh, together so I invited her to come for that gig and she saw them playing at the gig and the, and when she saw that how the audience was just going crazy uh, in the pit, it was at Blue Frog uh, and then the pit was completely going bonkers and then uh, she figured that these are the right guys. Something big, yeah. And that's when I think uh, she thought that, uh, you know, the music should be done by these guys. These guys should make the music for the film. And which I feel was quite a bold step at that time, which was completely out of the box because right. none of them were known as they're known today. Yeah. 
and uh, had released much music. Uh, in fact, most of the people in the hip hop scene were making music out of their bedrooms. And uh, again, it was, I felt so excited by that decision that I said, okay, yeah, we should do it. And she said that you have to kind of put it together. And uh, I jumped into it without like, you know, realizing that it would be such a mammoth task and we would uh, be working for the next one and a half, two years to get it together. And then one thing led to other and then right. eventually had the album. Could you talk about that process where you said that it took about one to two years to come up with the, the music and capturing the vibe of Gully Boy uh, in the right way? Uh, I've actually heard about it in, a, in another interview of yours, but uh, it would be interesting to know that. It was it was quite quite amazing. It was just basically it was uh, leaving the job to the experts. Uh, you know, uh, both Nazi and Divine were completely invested in the film and the idea. They were very excited about the fact that their universe will be shown in a mainstream film, right. and it will be portrayed by somebody like Ranveer Singh, who was a very popular mainstream actor. Right. And uh, I started hanging out with them. I started listening to their work as. Uh, and you know all sorts of work released work unreleased work scratches scribbles everything that they had right and it kind of made me meet more rappers more more people i met like altaf emiway uh you know dhawal uh, dmc like everyone who was there kaam bhari and we just like kind of like i just like started uh, you know uh, uh, kind of uh, listening to what these guys are doing and then what we did was closer to the rehearsals when they were kind of starting to read with the main actors i proposed to zoya that we should do a, a few workshops where ranveer should meet them and hang with them as well uh, and then uh, we kind of did those workshops where we got everyone together under one roof and we were just going to spend like two or three days together and uh, see what happens and a lot emerged from that workshop like uh, you know just the energy of everyone together it was explosive yeah. uh, and they just started jamming off each other and things and uh, i had this the D, zoya's da was rolling cameras i was just telling him to just keep on recording this record that record that and we just went through that i remember that uh, that kambhari song that i ended up uh, making with kambhari uh the rap part of it i had heard first time there uh, because kambhari was just in the cipher he just like spit those lines and they were epic and so many more people a lot of people who were there uh, in the uh in the workshop ended up acting in the film uh being there part of the project lochita uh, and the other guys sorry you mean lochita and a couple of other guys oh, all of them were there and then it was just like it was just a celebration of hip hop Uh, and uh, right. guys knew that it's their time and then they have to kind of uh, get together and uh, you know celebrate that yeah i think that's there's an interesting story about uh, how you guys coined the term apna time aayega yeah yeah so it was very interesting it was uh, divine had made this demo called sabka time aayega and uh, Uh, he had made a few demos actually uh, they were pitching it to a brand and they had made a few demos uh, of it uh, with different people i particularly liked the one that was made by dub sharma 
and it had a ring to it and uh, in fact i didn't know that it could be the climax song but i knew that this song has to fit in the film so i proposed to zoya that we should use this song and probably uh, i had even pitched it for the time when the character mc sher comes uh into uh, into this uh, world in the film and uh, i also had pitched it as a song that could be the first major hip hop song that the main character murad hears when he decides that this is what he wants to do uh but she liked it so much that she could she could start seeing the climax of the film and how the film can culminate in it and it just uh, you know grew and it uh, became quite it was quite quite amazing uh, serendipitous that how it found its place in, in the climax and then we yeah. and in fact zoya then uh, started talking we i played it to her father who uh, javed saab and he heard it he liked it but he he had a problem with the thing sabka time aayega and he said that that probably is not it feels more uh, it feels like a false promise by a politician or somebody like you know it doesn't feel right uh, his proposal was that it should be owned by uh by the main character and uh, that's when i figured then i i remember cutting sabka and writing apna and then uh, that fell fell into place and then divine uh had do you know that the way the divine writes he's very instinctive and he writes from his heart and it he's he's not used to writing for cinema at least at that point he was not used to writing it so he kind of needed a little prodding to write the first uh, to start you know exploding in the song as he did eventually so i proposed to him that i'll write the first verse for him and then so that he at least knows where it's right uh, how he can where he can kind of bounce off so i wrote the first four five lines of that in fact that was inspired by uh, you know iqbal's poetry which is tu parwaaz hai parwaaz hai tera kaam you know the uh, i'm not actually aware about the poetry okay but uh, i i know the lyrics yeah uh, of apna time aayega teen hai parwaaz hai tera kaam yeah tere samne aasmaan aur bhi hai is a is an iqbal uh, piece poetry and then i thought like it for me it was almost like uh, shaheen is a is a bird and like how uh, iqbal talks about it that can fly and uh, should fly and that's the destiny of the of the kite and uh, i figured that okay then that could give me an idea of like rising from the ashes and um, how uh, you can rise from the ashes and like a phoenix and somewhere from there the words kind of came into place once i had those first few words in place and we knew that the punch is in apna time aayega uh, i think divine must have written the rest of the words in like 30 seconds or something he just exploded then you wow. it was just uh, wow he's a master at what he does so he was too good so um, i want to talk about a bit about uh, your songwriting uh, you know uh, you were very comfortable with something like that um, at a very young age um, did you i mean di- did you take any formal training or was it just something that came from within you and uh, what was the learning like and also i am stressing on the importance of songwriting is because uh, a, a lot of musicians uh, 
like me at least we started uh, making music making beats and stuff but uh, i now learn the part of songwriting and learn the importance of it so i wanted to talk a bit about that see right since childhood i was always attracted to music with words in fact i didn't ha- i i was not exposed to uh, much instrumental music the only instrumental music i was exposed to was hindustani classical if at all or or it would be probably brian sellers on the was the piano or something but so uh, i was always attracted towards music with words and uh, words always like fascinated me and uh, although in my songwriting i don't segregate words and music for me they balance each other out uh, they are part of the same dish they are kind of like you know ingredients of the same dish so right. in some songs you can start with the music and the words follow the music in some songs you write the words and words follow uh by music and so it it just they go hand in hand if there are many syllables in a song probably there'll be your music will balance that if there are fewer syllables in your phrase then probably the music will have more to balance it to it's kind of a jigsaw and the grid has to fit right so the interplay between the music and the words and the rhythm yeah and and because i've never been trained in music i always had to get the story across and for me now the easiest way to get the story across was through my words through what i'm saying so at least it's you know you know what i'm trying to do and uh, i even like tried started experimenting if i would write a really sad song in words but put happy music to it and like you know i like that idea even now a lot of my songs that are actually completely heartbreaking in words would have happier music and vice versa uh, so anyway so i just like uh i always saw words and music together as one piece uh, right. and because i was never trained in music and i never took any formal training maybe somewhere i was and maybe even now i am kind of insecure when it comes to just playing instrumental so right. uh, i feel that i can for everything i can't do in instrumental i can compensate with my words is at least how i see my musicality i am not a very versatile musician when it comes to music like i know like this this is my zone i i can fit this zone where like you know you have when you have greats like rehman or like you have yeah. uh, you know rd barman and uh, in the popular mainstream you see that they have so much their range is so much you know like when you see somebody like kohli or tendulkar play you see that their in shorts is so much range and i see myself okay as like ah, this is my range i know i can probably play my offside is fine but probably my leg side i need to work on right but also do you uh, you you have the philosophy of sticking to your strengths right instead of sort of letting those insecurities take over you see i see I, it's not like about taking over me i am constantly learning so even what i started doing in school to now i see that there's a huge change i'm not the same musician right you know uh, some of the songs i wrote back in college back in college i feel like they are quite amateurish and quite stupid so uh you're constantly learning and you're constantly evolving and you're constantly changing and uh i'm comfortable with the idea i'll really like the idea in fact that i don't know much because it's like then there's so much more to learn you yeah. just look forward humble and it keeps you more curious yeah because then you know that you can okay learn this and you can do this and like you know uh, it's like 
you've never heard pink floyd okay now see your well, life is going to change oh, oh so there are many more pink floyds in my life so i know that I, there is i know there's a lot more in this world to get excited about right so as you think back on it uh, many years later do you remember uh, most in terms of lessons learned what do you remember the most uh over the entire period of you know you getting into music doing other things that came your way and now from from where you're standing if you look back what that uh, the two things that i follow in my life that there are no wrong decisions and uh, you follow your gut and uh, you will eventually get to where you have to so i don't like really want to philosophize it because it's not that i'm a success in that manner but i would say that this is the mantra of my life which i follow and i feel that i don't like regret uh, any decision of my life because i feel that that was meant to take me somewhere and i always uh, relied on my gut very heavily there are a lot of times i have said no to a lot of projects because i don't feel it right and i feel that has helped me a lot uh, mainly uh, when it comes to your mental health when you're about your uh where you feel and you f- it makes you feel lighter and nicer right that's really interesting uh one thing we haven't talked about is uh, like your role as an entrepreneur in the music space uh the thing that comes to mind is commune and i'd li- like you to share something about that commune is again a very good example of what i just said right now we're following our gut and uh the one thing that is in there is that i have two amazing uh, working partners in that roshan abbas and gaurav kapoor they both bring to the uh, to the table something that i don't have so again it's a great place to learn you're learning on a daily basis the idea was that there is a lot of work that is out there a lot of artists that are out there that don't have a stage to uh, showcase their work it doesn't exist so if if somebody's a poet there are not many stages there are not enough stages for right. poet to get on if they're storytellers they don't have enough stages to get on so our idea was we will give them a stage we will make we will take the hit and we will you know kind of create a place where people can come and showcase their work and showcase their art so following that gut instinct which didn't make any commercial sense in the beginning we just uh, started doing that and we uh, went from like i remember the first uh, the first time we had a show we had some like six or seven people right to like the spoken fest which has been immense success for us right so it's it's quite quite lovely to see the growth in a few years right okay any closing advice on uh, aspiring musicians uh, also one final thing is that uh, since the time you started off in the industry um, and looking looking at where we are at now the industry has evolved a lot and also the ways in which uh, people approach uh, their careers in music uh, are very different like they don't have to just randomly show up at a label's office anymore and they have a lot of social media tools available at their disposal so uh, how do you see uh, the growth of uh, musicians in india and what would you sort of do if you were starting out now i mean if i was starting out now 
I don't think so. My journey would be very different. The path would definitely be different, but I probably would be exactly where I am right now. Uh, uh, I feel that uh, with any time, you know, in the music industry, always like this. Some people say it's the best time in the music industry, and some people say it's the worst time in the music industry. And I, I feel that you don't need to listen to many people. You just need to do what you have to do, right? Because Because uh, you know, uh, if you kind of follow averages, I feel you'll always end up doing average work. So averages and statistics and numbers—they are for uh, mathematicians and accountants. Uh, I feel the the thing is that uh, nothing can help you if you don't have a great song. So right, that's a really good advice. You can if you can concentrate on uh, telling a story from your heart, making a song. that you feel that you feel that the world should hear you know you know it when you make a song there are sometimes you're not sure about it but there's sometimes you make it you feel i want to play it to this person i want to play it there i want to like play it in my car i want to play it in my friends place i want everyone to hear this if you get that feeling then everything else follows uh rest of it there are pros and cons to any time there were pros and cons to the time that i was making music there were not many, many people who were making music but at the same time it was impossible to reach the labels now it's the other way around it's yeah. easiest to reach the labels but uh, there are too many people making music uh, there are too many people following numbers the definition of what works and what doesn't work right. has changed drastically uh, but eventually uh, only a few songs uh, you know stand the test of stand out there's so many yeah. songs that i have made that have kind of died a natural death that i don't sing in my sets so you can you know you but there are many songs that uh that have survived uh for more than like you know there, there are few songs that i can never take out of my set so i know that they have stood the test of time right though probably when they were released they didn't make the kind of numbers they had to make so it's right. uh i feel if it comes from your heart and from your soul not that the songs that didn't work didn't come from my heart or my soul but we fewer people related with it yeah Uh, one needs to make music that you really feel, and one needs to tell stories that you want to tell. There should be a reason. There, as an artist, you should have something to say, and it's not that okay. I'll make the song for the sake of making a song. Right. Very very good advice. Thank you so much. Advice. Uh, it was it was, uh, it was me reflecting on uh, what how I've led my life, but I would feel that. uh the only advice i would have for everyone else is that don't take many advices seriously just uh, <laughs> go with your gut instinct and follow yeah. you feel is right yeah in this whole big wide universe you might be the only person who's right and that's when you hit it yeah i think when it comes to art uh, and i mean I, i listen to a lot of other podcasts and just not about music but about success and everything and everyone usually has something very specific to say about things um and in your message i felt like even your message kind of i feel stands the test of time is that you know the song has to be good and no matter how much the technology changes and how the institutions are changing Absolutely. that thing will never change in music so yeah. i mean yeah. Yeah, I think Paul McCartney released on yet another album, and it's crazy to see a man that old still releasing music, and it's yeah. an amazing album. It was just like mind blowing to hear it. Yeah, I mean, he those guys were amazing songwriters. So uh, even for me, I I tell myself that uh, you know, 
I mean, I, I, was, I was a producer first and now I'm a composer. So what I tell myself is the production will come later. I need to first understand the process of song, songwriting and that's how it will come on its own. Um, the beats and all can be done later, but the most successful artists, uh, be it pop or rock or any other genre, the one thing that's common is this, the songwriting part of it. Sweet. And that is why I think maybe Paul and all these guys even today can cut an album very confidently. See. So, so uh, with you. it was lovely chatting with you. I hope yes, you, was, you were looking for. Yes, uh, I had a great chat with you. Uh, I'm glad you uh, decided to respond and be here so promptly. Really so appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Have a nice Thank day. Thank you so much. You too. Bye. Bye.